Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Week six, uh, the final installment in our Love Languages series. And this is week three of Teens. And we are uh, just going to dive in here. So I gave you a handout this week, and I think you all have them. Um, I love the quote at the uh, top. Sister Dawn, do you want to read the quote at the top of the page? I will. When you have teenagers, it's important to have a dog. So when you come home, at least someone is happy to see you. (laughs) That is so true. And always happy. The dog is always happy to see you. Because with teenagers, you just never know. It's probably less than a 50-50 shot. Or they're just going to ignore you altogether and act like you don't exist. And here's the deal. Thank goodness that we are the adults in the relationship and understand it's just a phase. And they're going to get through the phase. And everything is going to be okay. But um, just as a reminder that all five love languages are needed and the more you pour those into your children and show them how to how to love and how to be loved and how to feel loved and all of the different elements that you can use in doing that the more your children are going to going to be able to take all of the all of the things that life throws at them and the more they're going to be able to deal with the ups and downs of going through adolescence and dealing with all of the chemical changes and emotional changes and physical changes and you know their friends are changing they they go to high school they go to junior high during this whole course and everything in their life is just this constant turmoil they also are becoming aware of social issues. Um, there's, I'm sure, teenagers in the city right now that are almost paralyzed with fear that they are going to contract the coronavirus. You know, because there are teenagers that they're just, they're worried about everything and and oh, this is going to happen, or they think, oh, what if, what if I die in a car accident on my way to school? And, yeah. and they just allow these emotions to to constantly overflow. And so one of the things that's really going to help them in that is knowing that as parents and as caregivers that there is somebody out there that cares for them and loves them and has time for them. And it just helps them to get through these struggles. And I am sure if I wanted to stop and think about it, I could realize um, some of the crazy thoughts that I entertained as a teenager. I've always had a very overactive imagination. I know you can't imagine that, but a very active uh, imagination. And um, I love, still to this day, I love mysteries. And I would just, I could play out mysteries and just, I could have an entire world. I do live in my own world and it's okay because they know me there. And I can just exist in this whole other thing. And as an adult, I've kind of learned to, to hone that in. At least I think I have. But, you know, really, if I haven't, I'm not going to know because I'm just over here in my own world doing my own thing. So I'm not going to pretend that I'm normal, but I will pretend that I am better adjusted than uh, than I probably was as a, uh, as a young teen especially. I was a little crazy out there. So um, 
So this is a, an important note that if a child receives plenty of primary love language, so if their primary is acts of service and they are just full and brimming with acts of service, then what can sometimes happen is that secondary language can become even more important to them. So if their second uh, is physical touch, you might need to intentionally kind of up your game with that as well. One of those indicators is as, as you give um, the quiz, you know, however you're trying to slide that in, if you're asking questions, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, uh, different ways that you can kind of try to pull from them what their love language is. As you figure that out, you might really see that they have two love languages that are especially close at the top. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make sure that you're giving them all five, but especially that primary and that secondary language are really going to go a long way towards helping them to be well adjusted in uh, in their day-to-day -day life and be able to handle things again uh, in this crazy teenage years. I would not want to be a teenager in today's mm -hmm. society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, you need to learn a new dialect for your child to feel loved as teens like they did as kids and that's on your handout. It is um, a maturing of the way that you speak that language. So if it's words of affirmation, instead of saying, you're such a good kid, which to a nine or 10 year old might be all they need to hear, as a teenager, they're gonna be like, yeah, whatever. And remember, it'll make them feel like a kid too. If you, if you use the same things you used as they were a child, that makes them feel like a child. So you've got to kind of up your game with this. So now it is, I'm so proud of you for standing up for your friend whenever so-and-so mm -hmm. yeah. -so was, was picking on them. Or uh, I'm so proud of you for, uh, for getting such a good grade on that history test. I know you studied really hard for that. Instead of just saying, oh, you always do such a good job in school, um, you know, that you kind of hone that and make it specific to something that they can tie it to so that they can see that sincerity mm -hmm. but also it helps them to feel more mature so uh, for acts of service this can really be um, <laughs> I always think about the the whole two-year-old thing the terrible twos mm -hmm. and um, you know how children are just like I can do it myself mine I can do it myself and it's all yeah. about asserting their independence and they do this again as they hit the teenage years that now this is what I can do for myself brother Alex like he is <laughs> yeah. woo, he is back there having a little shout down it's we so true <laughs> oh, I can do it myself yeah. I know how to do this oh, I can do it I don't need your help I can do it even if they even if they make a mess even if they can't really do it but honestly, a lot of this stuff they can do themselves. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, I have seen parents that would almost, I don't want to say cripple the child, mm -hmm. but would almost cause it because they're like, well, no, I want to do this for you. And it's like, you have to let them do it themselves mm -hmm. because that's how they're asserting their independence. That's how they are feeling more like a grown up. But do not fear because there are going to be a whole plethora of new things that you can now teach them. So that could be um, 
that could be teaching William how to do something new, um, you know, changing the oil or how to change a, a flat tire or, um, you know, how, sorry, I'm just going to use something, you know, um, hunting, maybe he's going to go bow hunting instead of, uh, you know, instead of muzzle loading or whatever it is he currently knows, that there's all kinds of new things that you can engage that child in and new skills. And this is also a really great time whether it's um, a mother and a son, or a father and a son, or a mother and a daughter and a father and daughter, whatever that paradigm is, there's some really great things that you can start to impart to your children and teach them, or you can learn something new together, which is another really great thing to do. Oh, I, I wanna take a painting class. So, okay, we're gonna do a painting class. I, wa I wanna do that too. Would that be okay if that were something that I did with you? Or we could maybe do, do this together. And, you know, look for ways and interests that you can um, complete acts of service for your child. So now, instead of you teaching them to paint, if it's something you don't know how to do, the act of service is, I'm now taking you to this painting class and we're gonna do it together. And, and we're gonna go shopping for the supplies together. And, and so you've got all of these great ideas that kind of open up. But as parents and caregivers, sometimes we can kind of maybe want them to stay as little kids mm -hmm. yeah. and kind of resist that. And so instead of embracing that, I'm not, don't push your kids to grow up because that's not the goal. Uh, you want them to enjoy childhood and, and to have all those experiences. But as they go through these ages and stages, there's really great opportunities at each new stage. So every time they graduate from one stage of life into a new stage, you are leaving stuff behind. You know, once, once they're out of diapers, well, praise be to Jesus, they're out of diapers. But it also might mean that they're out of that cuddling stage for a while. It might mean that they've decided they're going to assert their independence and, you know, it's going to be a few years before they come back around to sit on your lap on a regular basis. So enjoy those stages and that flow. Um, you, you've got to work at this and you're learning new ways to speak. Their love language can be a lot of work but it's totally worth the effort. And again, it's making you a better person as well as helping to shape them to be a better person. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so um, there's a, a line there that says ask and then it's got three blanks. So it says ask questions, the second blank is observe, and the third one is experiment. And again, if you are a fill in the blank person, fill them out. And if you're not, don't worry about it. It's no, uh, no problem for me. <clears throat> but I do like to create handouts because I like to receive handouts. So, <laughs> what was the last one? Um, experiment. Okay, thank you. And repeat. And repeat. Because <laughs> I did so, something intentionally this week. With Anetta, yeah, and something that you know you had talked about last week in class. Yes. Um, leaving things that they liked when they were younger behind and not making them feel like a kid. Mm -hmm. One of the things that she loves getting her feet rubbed. That's like her. She's calming down. Mm -hmm. Not rubbed, like tickled. Yeah. It doesn't really tickle her. It's a it's a calming. She oh, wants to relax. Okay. She'll nuzzle into you. And um, by the way, she's strange. She's thirteen. 
Um, <laughs> and so I had noticed that when we when I would do that, she pull, she started pulling back away from me oh, a, cu- a couple months uh-huh. ago. I noticed. So when you said that, that was the first thing that came to my head. Well, maybe that's one of those she thinks that I'm treating her like a child still. Uh huh. So I asked her, and then. Um, and she was kind of, I didn't ask her, does that make you feel like a child? I said, I, I thought you liked that. Do you not like that anymore? Do you not want me to, to uh-huh. tickle your feet for you anymore? And she goes, well, here it is. She said, maybe just ask. Because <gasps> oh. sometimes I do, but sometimes I don't. Okay. So just maybe just ask. And then, um, and so in observing and asking and yeah. going out throughout the week and things like that, um, she actually started leaning more in towards saying yes, 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 not no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. And so it's because you were treating her as yes, yeah. so an she adult still does want it, and she wants it all the time still. But yeah, it's oh, the I love that. the the oh, she asked me. I think really made a big difference for her. So that's great. That yeah, is. I love that. We'll see what next that. week brings. Because <laughs> next week might be no, no, no. It might be. They change their minds like. Like yeah. diapers need to be changed. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It is true. Um, okay, so um, remember to not ask. Do you need a pen? I have one. Uh, do not ask what their primary love language is, or even even give them a. Does anyone else need a pen? Sorry, I'm asking. Uh, don't be. Um, don't be too forward with it. Like, you know, giving them the quiz and doing that. It's like you could do that with some fun and have some enjoyment with that. Um, you can um, make a game out of that. I'm actually going to talk about that in a minute. Um, and you can use, uh, use the test. It's one way to help. But it also can be manipulated, especially, especially depending on what, who the child is and what kind of frame of mind that they happen to be in at that time. So... Um, ask questions of your teen really so that you are learning what is going on with them and not just general questions but observant and specific questions so in our first you know ask questions you can say to them uh, specifically do you like that? Do you not like that anymore? Mm-hmm. And this was a specific behavior that they did enjoy as a child. But maybe they're like, maybe that would totally have been a, no, I don't, I don't enjoy that anymore at all. I love that she gave that. Well, maybe just ask because it is still something that she wants and enjoys. But that is a maturity mm-hmm. thing. Like, my space is, is my space now. So, mm-hmm. um more than likely they will share what they want and it's okay to ask them uh, again going back to this what what their desires are about something what would be your your favorite thing for us to do on vacation or where would be your favorite place to go if you could go anywhere or even asking about a friend. Out of all of your friends, um, who do you who do you feel is your best friend? Okay, why do you feel like they're your best friend? And it could really be it could be that those that they have the same primary love language, and so they really connect on that level because if it's quality time and they're with each other all the time, well, hey, this is like my best friend ever. 
And so asking those questions will really help to bring some of this stuff to the surface about what their primary love language is. So observe, observe whatever it is that they are doing. Um, observe, uh, hold on, I skipped one. I know there's something that I wanted to say too. Oh, so asking questions and not general statements. Um, but it's okay to admit your shortcomings. It's okay to say, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not sure if you like this anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I don't want to make you upset. Um, you can ask their opinion about something. And it really can reveal if they are, um, you know, where they are in that space. And it can also really reveal <laughs> if we are willing to hear what may be hard for us to, uh, to swallow. Because, again, one of the things, I don't want to say most often, but I've seen a lot of times as kids are growing into that teenage years that the parents are kind of pushing them back. And I've seen, I've seen parents who have pushed their kids towards teenage years when they were younger, and then as they got to teenage years, like the parent decided to do a 180 and then start trying to push them back down. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. You support, you're always that supportive for your child in whatever stage that they're in, but just enjoy wherever that is and know that you know it's not gonna last forever. And sometimes it's with a tear that you say it's not gonna last forever, and sometimes that's your hope is. It's not gonna last forever. This came to pass and they're gonna you know get through and get out of it. So um, ask them how they would show grandma. How would you show grandma that you loved her? What would, what would you do to just really make uh, uh, to make her feel special. Um, things like that you'll be able to hone in because they're more than likely going to say, oh, I would go to grandma's house. I'd spend the night at her house and we'd make cookies together and spend all this time together. Oh, well, quality time could really be what their primary love language is because that's what, that's what they would want. So that's what they're going to want to do for someone else. So um, observe what they do for others, as we're talking about the observing and finding out their love language. Observe what they complain about. Uh, this will most likely be what they feel lacking in. So if they don't care at all about gifts, they're not going to care that you came back from a weekend away and didn't bring them anything. But they might care that you came back from a weekend away and now you've been working 60 hours and haven't had any time to spend with them. And so you've got to kind of read between the lines as you do constantly with teenagers and just kind of figure out. And remember, I'm the adult in this relationship. I can handle whatever it is they're going to throw at me. I can be mature enough mm -hmm. to, um, to try and do this better, to try and help them along and realize that it is not, um, it's not about me. I can't take this personally. So, uh, constant criticism can destroy someone whose primary love language is words of affirmation. But a few words of sincere praise, and again, there's that word sincere, it can make all the difference. And remember, we're working to get our kids to become adults who are the best versions of themselves. And so as we're working for that, we want to be constantly honing our own skills, trying to be the best version of us. Mm -hmm. And that's really going to help. So um, in gifts, oh, time is just flying around. So in gifts, um, realize that if you, if you go in a room 
and move their things, that might be a really big deal to them if their primary is gifts because those are treasures that they have. Those are memories that are attached. And um, Lord forbid you should throw something away out of a teenager's room, even if it looks like trash to you. That was a receipt from Taco Bell from the first time I ever went there with my best friend Kimmy. And you threw it away. How could you do that? You know, and it might seem like such a silly thing to you, but that really could mean something to them. And so, you know, try to remember what it was like to be a teenager and think about how much harder it is now. I can see the moms like, oh, okay, yeah, that's not, they're not crazy. They're, yeah. they're not out, yeah, that's okay. Right. So He's got trash everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> this is William to a T. He's got stuff everywhere. Yeah, one of the most important things that I learned working residential with teenagers was not to clean out their top drawer. You know, mm-hmm. most of our... Most of the teams we would have, their their top dresser drawer would just be littered with junk. Yeah. It seems like, or yeah. it would just be so uh-huh. yeah, disheveled yeah. and unorganized, and it legitimately is whatever they had with them or whatever they felt to keep. Yeah. Some of it is trash. Some of it's just you know old food wrappers that need to get tossed away. But yeah, you know some of it is you know if it's a torn up letter, you know mm-hmm. they've got thrown in there a coloring page or yeah. you know an old broken piece of jewelry or something. You know. Yeah, and especially for a child who's in an environment like that, they've all, you know they've already they're already carrying a little extra baggage than the yeah. average teenager. Oh, yeah. So to do something like you know, so it's worth it to leave the old food wrapper there just in case. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And just because they got a new Rubik's cube, you don't throw the old one away. Rock collections. Yeah. Yeah. They hang on to all that stuff. So. Because that the one that's broken, and even though they wanted a new one that they could play with, mm-hmm. that old one was the gift from Grandma. Oh, yeah. That had them last before they were removed from the home yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, you cannot know what another person is thinking. And for a teenager, sometimes they don't even know, mm-hmm. you know, no. they, they can't, they can't put those thoughts together. And again, with that whole, you know, their brains are jello till they're 25. So they can't look, they can't look what's going to happen even in a week. Yeah. They, they got 15 minutes, 15 minutes out from this moment right here. Is this still going to make me happy? Then this is going to be an okay thing to do. And that's one of the things, that's why they need adults in their lives that can help and steer and set boundaries and, okay, I've got to move like quickly. Okay, so thank you for sharing that. I think it's so powerful. Um, So experiment. This is the last of these. Um, Spend a week on each of the languages. And we talked about this with children as well. But uh, with children, it takes a little longer to get through the process. So spend a week intentionally doing everything in one of the love languages. Uh, Make sure you're doing it several times a day. So if it is uh, physical touch, that uh, you give them a hug before they leave for school in the morning and as soon as they come back in, you, uh, you know, you give them like that shoulder hug and hey, let's go, you know, a pat on the back or, or you know, a punch in the arm. Uh, you, you sit uh, um, right side by side on the couch, you know, watching something or playing a video game, doing something, you know, the next week you're doing words of affirmation. So every, the night before you're, you're making a list every night and you're saying, okay, these are, these are phrases I'm going to interject into our conversation tomorrow. And then the week after that, it's acts of service. You're going you're gonna to fix their favorite meal or make their favorite dessert. You're going to do one of their chores for them without them even asking. And you're going to do it with a smile when they can see you doing it so that it's an act. You know what? 
I know that you're supposed to be folding those towels, but I'm going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when you're doing quality time, maybe it's, let's fold these towels together. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you're going to take a walk. Hey, just me and you, let's take a walk down to the park. And, um, you know, oh, you've got a school project coming up. You know what? Why don't we run to Hobby Lobby and get the items that you need for that school project? And then we're going to come back and, and we'll make some cookies. And then we'll sit at the table and I'll help you with your research paper. Um, spending, you know, in-depth conversation. This doesn't mean you've got to go to... Um, you know, have a big fancy dinner at, at Marie Adornetto's or I don't even know if that place is still open, honestly. But um, anyway. <laughs> it's still standing. Uh, but, you know, it could just be going to get a $2 drink from those frozen drinks from mm -hmm. McDonald's. I don't know how much it costs because I don't drink coffee. But, you know, going to get that and just sitting there and spending that time together. Um, for gifts, spend a week you know the things they like, you've been paying attention to that. Uh, maybe there's been a couple of, you know, things that they want. Purchase some things that they want. It doesn't have to be big things, but make a big deal out of the presentation. You know, get, get them a gift bag for it. Uh, wrap it up nicely, make, you know, a nice little card to go on it. Uh, present it in front of family. Uh, or for a special occasion, oh, you know what, this is, this is your last week of school, or um, you, you finish such and such exam, or however that goes, make that a big deal. So each week you're focusing on those, and you're keeping notes, because parenting is hard, but it's so worth it to be a good parent. You're going to reap these benefits for the rest of your life, and it takes me back to that quote that said, if you, if you parent hard if you if you parent hard I'm trying to think of what the wording of was for it then you will get to enjoy your grandchildren oh that's it if you raise your kids you'll get to have fun with your grandchildren but if you have fun with your kids you'll be raising your grandchildren mm. oh, isn't that true that is true. And it's so powerful that you, you've got to do the hard work now, and then you will reap the benefits for the years to come. So a full love tank is a guaranteed promise that your child will, do I want to say be more successful? I think I do. I think it is that that important and it's okay to tell them while you're trying to find out their love language that you're working at being a better parent and that you know during quality time you could totally give them the quiz you could say you know what I want to play a game with you and you take the quiz right alongside them so they give their answer and then you give your answer and um, you know give it to them as you're spending uh, game time um, you could spend a few days, you could spend a whole week going over that quiz just, hey, we're going we're gonna to play a game all this week after dinner. Uh, we're going to do uh, three questions from this game, and then when we get to the end of the week, I'm going to tell you what you've won. And whatever you're going to win is going to be whatever their primary love language is. Yeah. You know, you're going to hone in on that. So um, it will totally be worth it whenever you see the reaction and you see how quickly um, children react to this. So... Learn as many dialects as you can, but especially in that primary love language, really become, really become fluent in that language and in speaking that. Um, push out of your comfort zone. And one of the ways that you can do this is observe other parents 
and kids, I do not know what is going on there, <laughs> but observe other parents and kids and, um, you know, and follow that example. If you see somebody, if you see a parent, um, you know, doing something really great with their kids or really have, and be like, you know what? My daughter would totally enjoy that. I'm going to do that with her. Mm -hmm. oh. Or, um, you know, if you, if there's a family that you admire, um, you know, something that you, that you see going on in another, that's okay, totally. Hello, we're all just products yeah. of the people that are around us and that we're involved in. And there is nothing wrong with getting on Brother Google and asking him, you know, <laughs> ways to be a better parent or yeah. how do I speak my child's love language. Yeah. And uh, there's all kinds of resources out there for that. So yes. um, don't get upset when teens push against your effort even in their primary love language. Mm -hmm. They are teens, but you are yeah. an adult. So give them space and be mature enough to take it that they're gonna push back. But just speak their language as often as they are open to it, which mm -hmm. totally goes back to just ask. Mm -hmm. I love that. When they were babies, you had to take care of them even if you were busy, sick, or didn't feel like it. This is just as important as meeting their physical needs. This does not mean that you do not have boundaries with your kids. Everybody needs me time. This isn't that they are overrunning your life and you're spending all of your time focused on them and, and what they need. Yeah. Because as parents, um, as married couples, we have to have, you have to have time with your spouse. You have to have time for yourself. And, you know, if you are an alone time kind of person, it doesn't mean that your kids have to be with you every minute of the day mm -hmm. once they become teenagers. Because I'm pretty much uh, under five years old. Yeah, they're pretty much going to be with you every minute of the day, whether you want them to or not. Yes. So you can pee by yourself when they get older. Because that's just not <laughs> going to happen when they're, you know. Come on, a mom disappears in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. You could have been by yourself in that kitchen for three hours and they have not needed a thing. But the moment you go to the bathroom, mom, mom, are you in here? Mom, hey, I, I still need get that. I'm saying it's just the way it is. So as it is a hey, this is this is a 30 minute zone break. You get to go whatever zone you want for 30 minutes, you get to go whatever zone for 30 minutes, you know, within their boundaries and mm -hmm. I am going to go take a bath for 30 minutes. If you do not bother me when I get out, we will have pizza for dinner. <laughs> so, um, okay. We must speak all five languages to our kids so that they can receive it and speak it. And by us being fluent in all five languages, they will also become fluent in these languages. Because how does a kid learn Spanish? <laughs> They have yeah. to have somebody speaking Spanish yeah, yeah. to them. Mm -hmm. When a child is born, they have the capacity to learn any and all True. languages. The only way that it is dictated by what language they speak is the language that they hear. Mm -hmm. So if we are speaking to them in all five love languages, they will be fluent in them, and it will set them up for better relationships in every area of their life. And without, without all five love languages, they can be handicapped in some of the relationships that they could have otherwise had. And um, whether that is with a boss or whether that is with um, a girl that they really like, uh, there could be all sorts of different paradigms that we could put on that. But we want our kids to be 
the best possible versions of themselves. So um, we can't do what we don't know to do, and we can't teach what we don't have a grasp of ourselves. So it is worth it for us to learn so that we can teach our children. Um, couples can radically change the atmosphere of their marriage just by learning and speaking the spouse's primary language. And um, man, I just don't know that I can say that enough. So, uh, okay, anger in teens. I wanna touch on this and I can't believe it's 7.40. Time is just like flying by. I know. So um, again, you can't teach what you don't know. So as adults, we must learn to control our emotions, including anger. Uh, by the way, we have this awesome Axe class here that I highly recommend. If you've never gone to an Axe class, everybody should go for just one of them. It is Alcohol Chemical Treatment Series. Brother Alex is actually one of our instructors. And um, they're just, it's just great human knowledge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, before I was so involved, every once in a while I would come on a Wednesday at 6. I would just be here early enough that I could go and I would sit in Axe class. Testimony weeks are my favorite. I hope they still do those. I'm actually thinking about doing another like cardboard testimony things. Oh, but I great. Think, I don't know where all our cardboard went. So, so um, but uh, they would have people that have been delivered from uh abuse, alcohol, dependency, chemical, all kinds of, because all the people that are sitting in the sanctuary, we look like we all have it together, but there's not one person in there right. who isn't carrying some baggage. And man, when you know the stories of some of these people that are sitting there, it will blow your mind. You, I was just going to say, sister, you hear Sister Mary Williams' testimony about what kind oh, of, what God has done in her life is crazy i mean seriously if you start thinking about like the people that have like felony records mm -hmm. prison records um you know uh drug out it it's crazy but through the power of god through the power of his word we have been not just not just recovered but set free from that it's, it's gone and now we're teaching this great acts class that will help you uh, help you with anger management, help you with chemical dependency, but also if you have people in your world that have that, it's so empowering. That's probably what it did for me, and I don't want to get like emotional here, but I do have family members. I have um, uncles that are alcoholics, and and going and sitting in just a couple of those classes really opened my eyes to how they ended up in in that situation, those choices that they made or things that had happened to them through their life, stuff like that that had caused those to become. So I highly recommend the ACTS program. But uh, let me say, uh, family members and teens, you will have some of your most intense anger moments. You will not know how angry you can get until you are parenting a teen. Um, so we can get frustrated by their questioning our judgment and choosing to not cooperate, but we have to learn how to handle that anger in a responsible, mature way because we are modeling for them how to handle that anger in a responsible, mature way. If you do not control your anger, you can jeopardize all your good efforts from years of childhood positive behaviors, and it can be erased as the child's going to feel only rejection if 
um, if your anger is that intense. So um, we also have counseling and counselors here. Um, we also have, um, you know, online resources. There's books for that. And so I do want to talk about breaking destructive patterns. And I think that I put those uh, blanks on your paper just because I think it's such a um, anger. There's more anger in our world right now than I ever, ever remember seeing. And it's just, it's got to be one of those last day end time spirits that, that the enemy has really gotten into our society. But to break destructive patterns, and I'm just going to touch on this one, you have to admit the truth. Mm -hmm. Confess to yourself and to God and ask for forgiveness. Um, and, you know, your family members, they, they already know that it's an issue, but it's okay to, to go to them and say, I realize I have a problem and I'm going to try to get help for it. So develop a strategy, and actually uh, Brother Alex could uh, teach this part of it. So develop a strategy for breaking destructive patterns. You confess your failure, and that can really motivate you to change. But learn to pause before you react to that anger. So whether that's counting to 100, whether that's taking a walk, whether that's taking a walk and counting to 100 before you come back into the house, uh, you know, you can call an adult timeout. I have done that. As a parent of a teenager, I have said to my son before, especially in intense homeschooling moments, I need a timeout, I will be back in five. And I have turned around and walked out of the room taking a few minutes and then go back in and then finish the lesson. So analyze your anger and look at your options. Am I being overly sensitive? Oh yes, that really happens. Um, can I recognize that it's, it's a problem on my behalf and they were just being a teenager and I just need to let it go? Um, it's especially good to pray at that point, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, or if it's valid, if you really are angry for a reason, address the issue with the family member, but don't do it whenever you are angry. So set a time to talk and say, we're going to need... Oh, it's okay. It's okay. So it is okay to say to the family member, um, we're going to need to talk about this. Mm -hmm but I'm still too upset to do it right now. So let's wait until after dinner, before we go to bed, and then we're gonna process this and, and talk about it. Um, and the fourth thing to do to break destructive patterns, engage the family member in conversation. Uh, do, it, do it when y'all are alone or like with one other uh, person, but explain using I. I got really upset whenever you said this, or I got really angry because use that don't don't put it on their side because you're trying to be the adult here um, explain what you feel like you saw because sometimes as parents we can all confess there are times where we didn't necessarily see exactly the event uh, that happened so um, and the biggest deal for this is don't bring up past events whenever you're talking about it uh, don't bring up past events just deal on this one topic here don't interrupt their side and then together, you know, work out that solution. So, um, love and anger is the middle of the page and we're almost done. We are not going to get this handout done. It's okay. So, love and anger. It's a frightening thought that your kids would react. Oh, is it a frightening thought that your kids would react like you do to anger? Uh, hopefully that is not a frightening thought. But if it is, again, <laughs> and... Two very important things that kids learn from parents. 
They learn how to express love and they learn how to process anger. And if you don't know how to do those two things, then your children are also not going to know how to express love or how to process anger. So, if a teen feels loved, they are more likely to process anger properly. But if their emotional tank is empty, the teen will almost certainly handle anger poorly. Positive anger management is a learned skill. Teens will not do it naturally, but they will follow your lead. So, um, anger must be processed, and the sense of being wronged, if it isn't dealt with, it can lead that teen to resentment, isolation, and even depression, which is anger turned inward. Correct? Yep. Yeah. Also, passive aggressive behavior can emerge, which is anger turned outward, um, that the teen will then uh, can really cause them some some issues in their life. It must be it must be dealt with. So, um, outward anger will then become destructive and um, even abusive in relationships if that passive aggressive. Uh, issue is uh, is not dealt with so it can become quite a handful so um, rules about rules and okay we've got 10 minutes left here so I'm going to try to go to rules about rules and get through the consequences and rules so I'm just going to take that whole page and put it up here <laughs> so rules about rules um, okay you've got to have rules with your teenagers and you need, the number one thing is do as few as possible yeah. because less is more. If your household rules encompass seven pages, first of all, nobody's going to be able to remember them, yeah. let alone follow them. And you're not going to remember them yeah. either. So less is more. Hello, God gave us 10 commandments to rule the entire universe of humans. And in the New Testament, Jesus shrunk it down and just said, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, all of the commandments are pretty much wrapped up in those two right there. Yes. So, um, what is really important? Uh, so, your rules should avoid, you're trying to help your teenager to avoid detrimental mm -hmm. and encourage worthwhile pursuits. So, you want to steer away from the bad and steer towards the good. So responsible living, and this is one of those things that you're just like, oh, it's so obvious. Responsible living is saying no to things that destroy and yes to things that build. So say no to the cheesecake and yes to the salad. Usually I use a donut analogy, but I'm not sure I want to put donuts in that category as things that destroy yet. I'm just not ready for that commitment, so I'm going to let that go. So, um, but as a parent... Oh, yes, and you can top it with strawberries, which is totally healthy. See? Amazing. Dark chocolate. Yeah. All right, so as a parent, rules are providing boundaries, and that was what this, this whole page was about, boundaries. So... Um, you are providing boundaries for your teen. You're giving them a safe space. But this isn't about giving them a balance beam that they have to walk across precariously to get through adolescence. You've got to give them space to move, space to make, um, I say, minor mistakes. 
because you can either let them make little mistakes when they're under your roof and you can steer them, or you can control them so confined that they're going to hit 18 and they're going to explode all over everything and they're not going to have any accountability. <laughs> no, so. if you, I mean, if you really squish them hard enough, long enough, they won't make yeah, it to 18. they're not. And in today's society, and you've just got to allow... You've got to have boundaries in their life. And actually, when we turn this off, we can talk about um, even some specific rules and, and things like that. But you've got to give them space to grow. And that isn't a, you've got to walk this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. That is giving them space to say, you can't go past here. You, you can't go outside these walls. These are protection and then help and guide them towards the right decisions as they come through them as teenagers. So number two for rules, clearly communicate rules. You don't say to them, don't come home too late. You say to them, your curfew is at 1030. Yeah. Uh, make sure that teens know they are breaking the rules and gray is not a good color for rules. Black and white is all the rage. So don't give them gray areas because Gray just does not work in rules. It does not work for nope. teens. They need to recognize. They will probably at some point, most definitely, make the choice to break one of the rules. Mm -hmm. They may make the choice to break several, depending upon what those rules are. But if they know that they are doing it, and we're going to get to consequences in a minute, um, and they know what those consequences are going to be, those informed choices are helping them still become, even in the negative of consequences. And I don't believe consequences should be seen as necessarily a negative thing. Um, but the number three thing for rules is be as fair as possible. So you have to involve your teens in this process. Teens need to have a say when you are developing rules. And one of the things that I cannot say enough is you've got to make these rules way before you need them. Mm, yes. Mm -hmm. We had the Constitution in place long before we needed and then we made amendments, right? Yep. Okay, so you start talking about the rules. I am pretty sure that Andrew knew before he was 10 years old that he was not going to be able to, to date until he was 16. And I had talked about that probably when he was like 6 or 7 or 8 because I already knew that that was going to be the rule for him and that this was how it was going to come. So by the time we got to, I think, around 11, because he's a year out at that point, you were going into the youth, it was right when they were changing the age from 11 to 12. And so it was like, okay, let's talk about these. This is going to be the rule. This is what's going to happen. This is going to be, you know, these things are going to be allowed. These things are not going to be allowed. These are the things you're allowed to watch. I mean, that was from a child up. And it was, and as long as you are under our roof, this is, this is what this is going to look like. And this is, and those things were communicated clearly before there was a conflict. So, when the conflict happens, we've already got the rules in place and we've already got the consequences in place. And so, if the teen has been involved in that process, then how can they say that's unfair? Because 
usually, by the way, if you sit down and talk with a teenager about, okay, so this is what I feel like the rule should be, what do you think about this, give them some input in those rules as you're doing them, especially if you do this earlier on, because as preteens, they're going to have a better idea sometimes than, because when you're in, when you're in the moment, it's not the time to decide not to eat cheesecake. You needed to leave it yeah. at the store when you weren't hungry. Yeah. Because when you're hungry at midnight and you've been, you know, now that that's not the time to face temptation. And so with your teens, you've got to put those things down ahead of time. But let them be a part of that because as they are giving you their thoughts, their feedback, now it's an adult feeling. Well, I, I was there whenever we said that my curfew was going to be 1030. And if I decide to stay at her house and watch this TV show before I come home, I'm going to be late for curfew. So I know if I'm late for curfew, what's that mean? That means that I have to give mom my phone for three days? No, I think it was a week. Oh, it was a week. Can I go without my phone for a week? Now here's the next question the teen's going to ask. Is my mom really going to take my phone for a week? Mm -hmm. And if she doesn't know, then shame on us as parents. Yeah. Because as we get to consequences, we have to, have to, have to, because we love our teens, we have to have those consequences determined before. That's actually the first line, determine them before. We have to administer them with love. Mm -hmm. This isn't a, I'm the king of the world and you are the little peasant. This is a, it breaks my heart that I have to take your phone but you knew what the consequences were before you text that person at such and such time or before you did this. And so now I'm going to need to take your phone. And if their love language is physical touch, you give them a hand on the shoulder as you take their phone and they know that you still love them, but because you love them, you're going to administer that tough love. And the third and most important thing of consequences is that you do it consistently. Because if I don't determine beforehand what the consequences are, when it gets time to meet them out, it's going to depend on, am I hangry? Mm-hmm. Have I slept well the night before? Am I mad at my boss? Um, oh, or I've had a great day, so I'm just going to choose to overrule the whole thing. It's okay. I'll get you next time. Don't do that again. Because now the teen is going to their room thinking, my mom doesn't really love me. Because if she loved me, she would hold on to me. She would keep those walls where she said she was going to do it. And that is by far, from childhood to teenagers, the hardest thing for us to do as parents is to be consistent. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.